Amen. <laughs> I saw a lot of handshakes. That's encouraging. So how was your day? Talk to me, somebody. How was your day? Beautiful. Amen. It's a great week. I know that. Um, I'm sure about that. It's a great week. In the last two days, um, we'll actually even make up for the past three days. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know who that word is for, but the the next two days, um, we'll make up for the the past three days. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, we've been we've been we've been um, we've been talking about the word of God the last two months. It's been a long two months, hasn't it? <laughs> Amen. Um, but on Sunday and the next Wednesday, we're going to round up this series. Um, I, I believe that out of this will come people who are grounded in God's word. Amen. Grounded in God's word. You know one thing I like about the Elevation Church? We have very short counseling lines. That says something. Amen. That, that just says something. You know, it says that the people are, uh, are skillful in the word. The people are uh-huh, they're refined in the word. The people understand God's word. They know how to take their place of authority. You know, when I walk into a church and the, uh, the counseling line starts at the gate up to the pastor's office, then you know something isn't right. Because it's the word of God that saves us, not any man. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, if, you, if you read the history of the church, it's been a constant, the history of, each of the church has been a constant battle uh, to put the word in the hands of the believer. It says, uh, my righteous one, Habakkuk chapter 4, shall live by his faith. Amen. My righteous one shall live by his faith. Or my righteous one shall live by faith. And so when you have God's word in your hands, you have God's word in your house, you can carry God's word around, you have the freedom to study God's word, be like a Berean Christian. The Bible says they received it with all eagerness. And they went home to see if what Paul said was true. That's in Acts 17 and verse 11. So it's a, it's a privilege. Amen. It's a privilege that we can spend so much time in God's word. We can enjoy God's word, you know, teach, preach, do all of this stuff um, and see results. Uh, 30-fold, like the scripture said in uh, Matthew 13, 60-fold and even a 100-fold. Uh, I pray it will bring you profit in Jesus' name. Uh, Paul said in... Uh, Hebrews 4, 2, he says, the same word that was preached unto us was preached unto them. He says, but the word that they heard did not profit them because it did not meet faith in their hearts when it got there. Hallelujah. Uh, we can all come into church and, you know, hear the same word and go out with different results. The word comes to everyone uh, in the way that God has destined. So, in actual fact, what you hear may not be what your neighbor heard. Because my neighbor's circumstance is different from your circumstance. Uh, and what the word means to us, it means differently. Somebody uh, getting that. So, there has to be faith in your heart to receive God's word and to profit from the word of God. There has to be faith in your heart to receive God's word and profit from God's word. I want to talk this uh, evening on the subject, benefits of salvation. The benefits of salvation. 
the benefits of salvation. It's, it's, it's basically centered around renewing your mind. But I want to title it, The Benefits of Salvation. If you will go to uh, Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And then we'll read James chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I want us to read this as a church. 1, 2, let's go. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It says then to do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. James 1, uh, verses 20 and 21. James James 1. James is right after Hebrews. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Are we there? Verses 20 and 21. Actually, just verse 21. Just verse 21. Okay, you know what? Let's just read from verse 19. What I need is verse 21, but let's read from verse 19. One, two, let's go. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not work uh, or produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. Hallelujah. Receive with meekness the implanted word of God that is able. I think King James says the engrafted word of God. I'm not sure. He says, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of nothingness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save your souls. Hallelujah. And I want to talk to you about the benefits of salvation. Paul tells us to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God or the implanted word of God that is able to save our souls. Uh, When we hear that phrase, save our souls, I think the average person then thinks about being born again. Am I correct? Talk to me. Good. So Paul said the word is able to save our souls. Was Paul saying the word is able to make you born again? You see, because we need to note in this text that Paul is talking to believers. If you go to James chapter 1 from verse 1 there, this letter is written by James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, greetings. He was writing to churches. Hallelujah. So Paul here is not talking uh, to unbelievers. Paul is talking to believers. And he says to receive the engrafted word of God that is able to bring salvation to your souls. Now that tells me straight away that there is more to salvation than what we think it is. Amen. Because if salvation were all about Uh, giving your life to Jesus, then he shouldn't be talking to uh, the the Christians here about salvation. Why? Because they are born again already in that sense. They know God already in that sense. But he's saying to them to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God that is able to save their souls. So he's talking to believers. Ask your neighbor, is your soul saved? (laughs) 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Because if I asked you, are you saved? I know what answer I'm going to get. Are you saved? Of course. You know, some, some know the history. You know, I was saved uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I know where it happened. I know under whose ministry it happened. I know what time it is and uh, it, it was and all of that. But is your soul saved is the question. Because Paul isn't saying the word of God here is able to save you. He says the word of God is able to save your soul. Now, the first thing I want to do... Um, is, is remind us about that word soul. I've said before uh, that man is on three planes from a biblical perspective. Man is a spirit, possesses a soul, and dwells in a body. If you see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 there and verse 23, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where Paul was praying that the Lord preserve you holy, Holy says, uh, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole, you see whole, there's W-H-O-L-E, not H-O-L-E, amen, W-H-O-L-E, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying effectively that the whole of you is your spirit, your soul, and your body. And pastor explained that I am a spirit because when God made man, He made man in his image and in his likeness. Scripture says that God is a spirit and them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. So when God made man, God made man a spirit because man is in God's image and in God's likeness. Now, man possesses a soul. You you are here today. I've said this repeatedly. You are here in church today because of a decision that you made. Amen. That decision uh, uh, you then acted upon. So your, your your, your mind, your will... And your emotions are seated in your soul. When you cry, it's not your spirit crying. Amen. It's an emotional reaction maybe to a situation. In fact, sometimes you feel God's presence and you cry. It's still an emotional reaction. Your spirit spirit cannot cry. You understand that? Good. Your, your, Your spirit did not study to get you your degree. When you went to school uh, uh, for four years, it wasn't your spirit studying. You know, I remember the, uh, uh, you know, a, a lady back then who, uh, who stopped coming to school or stopped coming to class, even though she was in university. And she said, oh, the Holy Spirit tells me whether to go to class or not. Now, it was just funny because you are in university. I wonder what else happens there. You understand that? So she would wake up in the morning and she would ask the Holy Spirit, Oh, Holy Spirit, should I go to class today or not? Amen. If, if that Holy Spirit was anything like my Holy Spirit, where education is concerned, it would probably say, no, don't go to class today, my son. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wasn't the best of students. <laughs> so, so, so if that's who I was, you know, my, my spirit may just tend in that direction. You know, so it was wrong. Because gifts of the Spirit, they are tools. They are not toys. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. You know, all this uh, Holy Spirit has my wardrobe. What color do I wear today? Nah, nah, nah. That's not for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's for your mind. That's a decision you need to make. You've, you've developed. You see, this white matter in the head is not uh, interior decoration. It's a brain. You understand that? Uh-huh. With the brain, we make decisions. With the brain, we take action. In Hebrews 4.12, uh, Paul was saying that the word of God is quick and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So you see a clear separation there. Soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of the intents and the thoughts of the heart of a man. It 
pierces to the dividing asunder. There is a dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Soul is not spirit. Spirit is not soul. Did somebody get that? So tell your neighbor I'm a spirit. Say I have a soul. But I live in a body. In Philippians chapter 1, I think it's around the 22nd verse, where Paul was saying, I'm between two, whether to remain in this body or to depart to be with the Lord. Let me look for that for you. Whether to remain in this body or to depart to be with the Lord. It's Philippians chapter 1. Um, yeah, 20, 23, actually. It says, I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. Amen. Verse 23, you see that there. I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So, so uh, NIV, I think, will say, whether to remain in this tent. Amen. Tent will tell you the temporary nature of the body. So when a man dies, uh, his body goes back into the ground. Hallelujah. So, I mean, I've, I've told you before how, um, how I signed off different parts of my body you know, back when I was living in the UK. And, uh, you know, you give your blood and then they ask you, do you want to give your heart, you know? And one day I thought, well, my heart, what's going to happen to this heart after I'm gone to be with the Lord? It's going to be in the ground and, uh, you know, maybe termites are going to come and eat it and all that stuff. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll give my heart, you know. And these people are greedy. The next thing they ask for my lungs. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so I said, okay, <laughs> I'll give my lungs. And then they ask for something else. One day I checked and I'm not even sure there was anything left. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now, 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 that comes with understanding. Understanding. Yeah, so don't say, Pastor, where's the form? I want to say, I know. It comes with understanding, you see? I understand that uh, 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 even in death, quote, I may as well be blessing someone else. So if someone else will use my heart when I'm about to, you know, go to be with the Lord, by all means, you know, I'm a seed sower till I go to be with the Lord. So that heart will be a seed. I don't know what it's going to bring forth, but it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be a seed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So we understand that man is a spirit, man has a soul, and man dwells in a body. I want to show you, I want to show you something. Go to Luke chapter 13 and verse 11. The Bible talks there about a woman who had on her a spirit of infirmity and had been bent for many years. I think eight years, I'm not sure. Luke 13, 18, sorry. And had been bent for 18 years. You see that a spirit of infirmity had been on her body and she had been bent for about 18 years. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to highlight something, which is that the spirit of man is made in the image and the likeness of God. You are a spirit. You understand that? Your spirit cannot be possessed. You can write that down. You can underline it. When you hear someone is possessed, that spirit is not possessed. Amen. Why? Because scripture says, 1 Corinthians 3.16, I think it says, uh, 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 know you not that you are the temple of, of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, the, the, okay, good. That you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Bible says light appeared and darkness comprehended it not. The Holy Spirit cannot reside in you and share a room with an evil spirit. Do you understand that? Talk to me, Elevation Church. I know it's, it's a bit deep. Just follow me, yeah? You understand that? 
Good. So when you say someone is possessed, you don't mean that his spirit has been replaced by an evil spirit. That's not what it means. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I'll take out the heart of stone. I'll put in the heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and I'll cause you to walk in and to obey my statutes. God says, I will take out the heart of stone and I will put my spirit within you. When a man is born again, his spirit is recreated. God literally puts a new spirit in him. First Corinthians five seventeen. if any man is born again, uh, 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 he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. That spirit cannot be inhabited by an evil spirit. But you see, a body can be inhabited by by an evil spirit because you see there in Luke 13 verse 11 that a spirit of infirmity had rested upon this woman such that she was bent. And she had been bent for 18 years. Look at another scripture. um, Matthew 17 verse 15. Matthew 17, verse 15. I just want to show you these three layers I'm talking about before I go any further. Matthew 17, verse 15. This man who was lunatic was crying to God. He says, have mercy uh, on my son. Sorry, his father was crying to to God. He says, or to Jesus, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic, suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. In other words, he was mentally possessed. Do you get that? He was mentally possessed. He was possessed in his, in his mind, in his capacity to reason. So, an evil spirit can possess or take control of a body. So, you have things like oppression. You know, you have people who slept and then they woke up and they had a, 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 a what do they call it? They said someone was beating them in the night and you see physical. You haven't seen that before. You haven't. People are not hard to. You see, <laughs> you see physical signs. Amen. You know, I prayed for a lady once. We slept in the same house. She woke up in the morning and she had physical notes that people wrote to her. Physical notes. I'm not saying story now. She, you know, why did you leave us? Uh, this, that, that, that. And my God, was she in a mess. You know, it's like she'd been caned all night. You, you, see, you see the operation of evil in the body of... Hallelujah. Yeah? So I'm, I'm just saying that to, to, to give you examples. Now, it's important you realize that your spirit, the, 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 the recreated human spirit that you are, cannot be possessed. Your body and your mind are doors that are still open. That's why I'm talking about benefits of salvation. And I'm trying to establish that when Paul said, uh, receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul, he indeed means that salvation is not complete at new birth. So when I gave my life to Christ was the first steps in salvation as it were. Let me read to you the uh, New King James version of that scripture. I'll read to you verses 20 and 21. It says, so throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil. I'm, I'm reading the message translation now. It says, throw all spoiled virtue. And cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility. Listen. Let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. Making a salvation garden of your life. This is interesting. (laughs) It says, let our gardener, God, 
landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. So salvation cannot be one decision. Because God is looking to landscape our lives. When you landscape something, you change the aesthetics as it were. You beautify it. God is looking to beautify our lives. And make a garden out of our lives. That garden is called a salvation garden. Anybody here seen a garden before? I don't mean the one near the gutter near your house. Those are weeds. (laughs) I mean, you've seen a garden. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, a real garden with beautiful flowers and uh, 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 nice plants. You know, a garden, a garden is work. You go there every now and then. You prune it. You water some things. You cut some things. You, you know, beautify it. You get new seeds and stuff like that. You know that kind of garden. Good. So he says, let the word of God. So he says, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. I want to read to you the Strong's concordance meaning of the word salvation. Strong's Greek concordance. Salvation means deliverance. Salvation means prosperity. Salvation means preservation. Salvation means welfare. So salvation essentially is a compound word. Salvation means more than giving your life to Christ. In fact, that in itself is you entering into the door of salvation or taking the first steps of salvation. If you are born again and you are still suffering in your finances, receive the word of God with meekness because it is able to save your soul. You are able to receive salvation in the area of finances if you receive the word of God with meekness. You understand that? God is looking to build a garden or a salvation garden with our lives. I can imagine that in that garden, there is a plant called prosperity. In that garden, there's a plant called divine protection. There is a a plant called a sound mind. There's a plant called the spirit of love. Amen. Because some of us, you know, some of us need work in that area. There's a plant called uh, divine health. There's a plant called, I mean, if you you would just stretch your mind and think about it, you will realize that there's so many things God is doing in your life and that God still needs to do in your life this scripture calls him a gardener and says God is landscaping our lives God is beautifying our lives so I submit to you if you are saved in quote and you are not saved in your health you are not saved in your finances you are not saved in your understanding of divine protection, then you are still growing in salvation. Am I talking to someone? Am I talking to someone? So ask your neighbor, is your soul saved? (laughs) You see, because like I said, your spirit is saved. Your spirit is saved. That's not the problem. When, when, when When we give our lives to Christ, we are saved. What happens next? If you, if you notice the day after you gave your life to Christ, uh, you didn't grow any taller. Amen. I, I don't know if maybe before you gave your life, you'd been thinking, God, you know, one thing I want to be in life, I just want to be much taller or I just want to be a bit shorter. I don't know. But the day after you gave your life to Christ, nothing changed in that sense. Hallelujah. In fact, if there's that girl down your street you really liked and you looked upon quite lustfully, the day after you gave your life to Christ, you must have been shocked to realize nothing had changed. And you were still thinking the same thoughts towards her that you thought before you gave your life to Christ. 
if before you gave your life to Christ, uh, you liked taking things that were not yours, a.k.a. stealing. <laughs> Amen. You would notice, after you gave your life to Christ, that the same urge continued. It didn't depart simply because you gave your life to Christ. But those things stayed even after you gave your life to Christ because salvation is a journey. Let's go back to that Romans chapter 12 that we read. Romans chapter 12. I said this is going to be based around renewing our minds. Romans chapter 12 um, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer, uh, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What happens when we renew our minds? When we renew our minds or when we start to renew our minds. Now, now realize there that renewing is present continuous. Hallelujah. I've said this before, but it's not grievous to remind you. Renewing is present continuous. Paul said we should not be conformed to the world, but we should be transformed. He's not talking to unbelievers in Romans 12. If you read Romans chapter 1, the 11th verse, it says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be edified. So he was talking to believers. He was talking to Christ followers. Hallelujah. Good. So he said, be not conformed to this world. So, so get it right. He's talking to born again people. Be not conformed to this world. So a born again person who has given his life to Christ, who comes to church, who has a Bible, who speaks in tongues of fear or fire, whatever, who who prays, can still be conformed to the world. Conforming to the world means going the way of the world and doing things like the world would do things. If you do things like the world would do things, then there is essentially no difference between you and the world. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. This is the agency of renewal. If our Paul had said, by renewing your mind by the word of God, that you may know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Because renewing your mind is ultimately about knowing God's will. And we have said over and over again that God's will is God's word. Pastor, what does it mean to renew my mind? It means to change my mind. It means to remove what was in my mind previously and put in new things. If you did any form of computer science, you should understand uh, uh, garbage in, garbage out. I know it was a while ago. Amen. Garbage in, garbage out. And if you did computer science around when I did computer science, you may not see a computer till uh, till year five. (laughs) So what are you studying? Computer science. (laughs) Hallelujah. I met someone recently studying project management technology. I said, what on earth is the technology about project management? And he's spending five years in university studying project management technology. Knows nothing called the, uh, is it book of knowledge we call it? Body of knowledge, sorry. Not book of knowledge. Body of knowledge. And he's in year four. (laughs) I felt like telling him the body of knowledge is a holy grail that will not be opened unto you until your final year. I just felt it was a waste of time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 
So if you understand, so, so you understand now that renewing your mind is about putting in what God says and taking out what you had always thought or believed. It is garbage in, garbage out. A good man, out of the good treasure in his heart, will bring forth good things. If a good man brings forth good things, it's because there's good treasure in his heart. A wicked man out of the evil treasure in his heart will bring forth evil things. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is that man. So we are essentially products of our thoughts. If you are a product of your thought, who you are tomorrow is your thought today. So first question, who do I want to be tomorrow? Let that dictate what I think today. Because what I think today is who I am tomorrow. So he says, be transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. God's word enables us to reap the full benefits of salvation. Salvation is not just giving your life to Christ. God's word enables us to reap the full benefits. You see in John 10, 10 there it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So he's saying something there. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So when God gave you his eternal life, we said uh, last week from John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Let's read that. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was with God in the beginning. Okay, go on. Through him were all things made and without him. Was anything made that was made, yeah? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Uh, that light appeared in darkness, and darkness uh, uh, comprehended it not. So he says, he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The life of God is the eternal life that we receive. Hallelujah. When we give our lives to Christ, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So now that you have everlasting life, what are you doing with the everlasting life that you have received? Because that everlasting life was the light of men. It was the mental illumination of men. It was the revelation of men. It was the breakthrough. It was the discovery of men. The eternal life that God gives us is not just for speaking in tongues. It is for succeeding in, our, in the workplace. It is for succeeding at home. James 1, I think the fifth verse, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally and upbraideth not, and it will be given unto him. When we receive eternal life, we have access to the wisdom of God. And that wisdom then enables us to succeed in every area of our lives where we need God's wisdom. And we do need God's wisdom in every area of our lives. So it opens, up us, it opens us up to God's wisdom in an area like sickness, for instance, or divine health. Before you give your life to Christ, you believe that anybody can die at any time. You know, anybody can die in an accident. Some people believe uh, that before we all came to the face of the earth, every man knelt down before God and he said, God, this is what I want to become. Amen. So the man who is begging on the street, they call it fate, F-A-T-E, not F-A-I-T-H, F-A-T-E. And they say every man 
knelt before God and said, this is what I want to become. So I see the guy begging on the street and I'm like, seriously? (laughs) You see, because I know myself. If I had the chance to kneel down before God and tell him what I want to become. (laughs) You know, if God said to me, make one request at one side. I said, God, I just pray that you answer all my requests. (laughs) Amen. Then I start. (laughs) Sorry, I could not have knelt down before God and said, God, when I get to the earth, I want to be a beggar. I want to roam the streets. I want to live poor. No, no, no. I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that. I couldn't. So maybe you had all those sorts of beliefs. God's wisdom then comes in the area of our health. You understand that he sent forth his word and that word healed us and delivered us from our destruction. Psalm 107 and the 20th verse. How do you renew your mind in that area? You start to sit on that word. You start to sit on that word. Oh my God, was I, was I a sick human being? I mean, it was so bad for me. I had a, I had a, a, a VIP room in the hospital. Even I, had a, I, had my own room. I was once in bed so long, I had to relearn how to walk. You know, people say, oh, pastor, you know, they've taken one drip, two drips. I've taken cartons. Cartons. Now I, you know, I'm enjoying God's word in divine health. You know, I, I eat, and, and I eat quite a bit. But you see, God is helping me. You don't know I eat quite a bit. Some of you won't eat half of what I eat. Some of you just need to smell the food, and you're putting on weight already. You know what it's like. I've, I've done my own, but I, now I understand. I'm understanding. This is what God's word says in the area of divine health. I was so skinny. I was telling someone some days ago, I said, this is the biggest I've ever been, you know. I said, I was so skinny once in secondary school that the wind carried me on a very windy day. No jokes. Seriously. Seriously. King's College. Uh, 1990. When was it? It's been a while, though. I remember where I was. I remember where it happened. Sick. But you see, I gave my life to Christ and I started to understand gradually that uh, 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 sickness is not God's will for me. So what am I doing? I'm renewing my mind. I'm renewing my mind. Somebody, somebody believes at work in this office. Nobody goes beyond this level. You need to understand that it is God who lifts one up and pulls another down. And that promotion does not come from the east or from the north or from the south. Or for, you need to start to get that into your system. Otherwise, you're going to stay where you are. You're going to rot there. If nobody has gone beyond this level, well, you're about to. Never take no when it is not in God's provision for you. 
renew your mind in that area. For some, it's, 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 it's failure. Or fear. Fear, fear, fear. Some just, some just walk in fear. You cannot be in a dark room alone. Anything that moves, you plead the blood of Jesus. <laughs> I told someone once, I said, this blood, the way we are using it, to finish soon. <laughs> ah, the blood, ah, the blood. Pastor, I can't walk out. No, no, no. Second uh, 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 Timothy 6, 7, I think. Uh, sorry, is it 6, 7? First Timothy 6, 7. It says, we have not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. Tell your neighbor, I have not the spirit of fear. I have the spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. So when you start to understand that, see, listen, it's, there's, there's something wrong with a mind that is always afraid. It's not a sound mind. That's the truth. It's not a sound mind. It's not a sound mind. You can't go to bed alone. You can't turn off the lights. You know, once you're in bed, you can't come out until, you know, until the, you see the sun. No, 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 no. There's something wrong with that mind. It's not a sound mind. You didn't kill anybody. <laughs> Amen. You didn't. Someone came to me, oh, Pastor, you know, I dreamt uh, uh, I was in the house and then a, a, a cow was chasing me in the house. Probably just had a busy day. I mean, <laughs> how does a car chase you in the house? How does a cow chase you in the house? You know, later I asked her what she ate the day before. I found out she had pounded yam and uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, uh, cow meat. I said, there you are. <laughs> that cow is seeking his pound of flesh. <laughs> But trust me, if you ever came to me with such a dream, I would trivialize it. Amen. Because it means nothing. Some of us want to know the meaning of everything. Listen, not everything has a meaning. Bible says a man's dreams are made up of his daily activities. Sometimes you just had a really busy, long day and your mind is still working. And you are asleep, but you're not really asleep. And things are playing in your subconscious. That's all it is. Stop going around looking for someone to interpret what there's no interpretation to. It's not a sound mind. If I wake up in the morning and someone was chasing me in the dream, I sleep back and dream again. And what happens? The film cannot end there. You know? <laughs> no, no. If you watch a good film, the actor doesn't die. The actor doesn't die. Have you, have you seen a film where they killed James Bond before? Uh, so, <laughs> so if they killed you in your dream, please go and, go and redirect that film. <laughs> and this, this actor will die. He will live to declare the works of God. Uh-huh. That's what God's word, that's the script that is written in uh, 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 Psalm 40, the seventh verse, Isaiah 40, the seventh verse. It says, behold, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. I come in the volume of the book. It's already written of me. 
What God is going to do in my life is not just about to decide. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should, uh, 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 lest any man should boast. We are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, created unto good works that he has prepared for us in advance that we should walk in. In advance. In advance. That we should walk in. So I'm walking in the plans and the purposes of God. I'm renewing my mind. I'm understanding salvation. To be something beyond giving my life to Christ. Pastor, what are benefits of salvation? Number one, I know and understand God's will for my life. That's a benefit of salvation. I know and I understand God's will for my life. Romans chapter 12 and the second verse there. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When I renew my mind, I understand God's will for my life. I understand God's will for my life. I also have faith. My faith is enlarged. My faith is improved. When I start to renew my mind, I'm benefiting from salvation. Romans 10, the 17th verse tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. The more I hear God's word, the more I engraft and implant God's word in my heart, the more faith I have. So as I continue to renew my mind, you find out, and I'm sure you, are, you, you can witness to this, that you can now believe God for things you couldn't believe God for five years ago. Am I talking to someone? You couldn't. Then it was a big deal. Now it's no more a big deal. Why? Because you know God more. Paul said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you know him more, there's a multiplication of grace and peace. There's a multiplication of grace and peace. When you know him more, there's a multiplication of peace. Because what you, couldn't, what you thought he couldn't do in the past that made you worry, now you know he can do it. So you're relaxed. You're relaxed. So I have faith. Number three, I'm bolder in the place of prayer. I am bolder in the place of prayer. First John 5, the 14th verse. I am bolder. This is the confidence or this is the boldness that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, what things soever we ask, then we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. This is the confidence. This is the boldness that we have in him. When we give our lives to Christ and we start to walk in the benefits of salvation, renewing our minds, we have increased boldness in the place of prayer. Tell anybody my boldness is increased. Say I can go in with confidence. I can pray with confidence. Because I'm praying according to his will. Number four, I have God's wisdom. I have God's wisdom. I have God's wisdom. God's wisdom is a benefit of salvation. James 1.5. James 1.5. If any lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God will give that wisdom liberally and he will not withhold it. So wisdom, God's wisdom is a benefit of salvation. Somebody is seeking wisdom in a specific area of his life. There is a very naughty issue you've been dealing with. When you get home tonight, ask God for wisdom. You've thought about it too much. You've labored over it too much. You've worried about it too much. You've called everybody you, should, you can call except who you should call. I've called uncle this and auntie that. Call God. He will answer. He will answer. Some of the most difficult issues I've had to deal with. You know what? I get, into, I get into my room and I pray a prayer. And I say, Lord, I'm trusting you for wisdom on this matter. We, we, we try to, to, to bring logic 
into everything. We try to fashion everything out and we try to, we, we try to plan it out for God. You don't understand God's ways. We're still getting into that place. Hasn't God answered your prayers in the past in ways you couldn't imagine? If you sat down and they say, tell me, how will God answer this prayer? hundred guesses, you won't get it. But the Bible says the lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. Hallelujah. Pleasant places. I just walk into a place. I don't know why I walked into that place. And somebody walks up to me and asks, oh, sorry, have we met somewhere before? Oh, no, we haven't. Oh, but I just like you. I just like you. I don't. Can you plan that? Are you that wise? Are you that learned? Did you wake up that morning and say, you know what? Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go to this place. Then I'm going to meet someone. Then that person is going to ask me this. Then I'll... <laughs> when you understand favor, it reduces your stress. Amen. It just, it just reduces your stress. It just reduces your stress. So I have God's wisdom. Lastly, I have God's peace. I have God's peace. Philippians 4, the 8th and the 9th verse. If, if, I, if you read from the 6th verse, it says, Fret for nothing but in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. It says, Then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard and barrack your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The 8th verse then says, Brethren, whatsoever things are uh, true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things uh, are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there be any praise... Or, or if anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You see that word meditate? It means to spend time on those things. When you spend time on things that have virtue and are praiseworthy, on things that are true, when you spend time on such things, he says that the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So I'm still understanding salvation. I'm still walking in salvation. God is still landscaping and beautifying my life. But as I keep renewing my mind, I have increased faith. I have increased wisdom. I have increased peace. I'm bolder in the place of prayer. And I understand better God's will for my life. I want you to ask the chief gardener this evening, Father, beautify my life. The Bible says you're landscaping me. You're making a salvation garden. God's promise for us is that nothing missing and nothing broken. Yes, I know you would understand the word in some area, but Father, there are still some areas where I'm lacking. I need you to beautify my life in this area. My health is still failing me. My strength is still failing me. I'm still not succeeding at work. Father, beautify my life. Beautify my life. Beautify my life. You are the chief gardener. Take away what needs to be taken away. Prune what needs to be pruned. Bible says every tree that the Father has not planted shall be uprooted. Father, uproot what needs to be uprooted. Bring beauty to this life. 
bring beauty to this life. Complete me. Paul said, you are my testimonies. You are my epistles. You are not written upon tablets of stone. You are written upon tablets of the heart. You are seen and you are read by all men. Lord, make me a living testimony. A living testimony. A billboard for the gospel. A living testimony. A living testimony. Not just what I say, but what my life exudes. Let my life, let it preach the gospel. My success, let it preach the gospel. My health, let it preach the gospel. Let it be a demonstration of God's will for his children. My home, let it preach the gospel. For in Jesus' name we pray. All heads still bowed. I just want to reach out to someone here this evening. You are not born again. By that I mean you have not given your life to uh, to Jesus Christ consciously at any point in time. I need you to understand that these things can only come into play when you have a relationship with God. And I want you to invite you into that this evening. If you're here tonight, you are not born again, or you had a relationship with God, but you let it slip. You don't have that same relationship again. And you're saying, Lord, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back to that place of fellowship. If there's any such here this evening, i like that you signify by just lifting your hand slightly above your head. I want to be able to identify with you so I can pray with you. Any, any such person here tonight, just just lift your hands slightly above your head so we say this prayer together very quickly. Anyone here this evening? Okay, there's my brother there. God bless you. Anyone else this evening? Anyone else? Let's do this quickly. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to say this after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word that I've just heard. And I thank you because I have a place in that word. Lord, I long to see the fulfillment of your word in my life. And so I'm asking you tonight, Lord, come into my life. I desire fellowship. I desire friendship. Father, thank you because this is a new day. Thank you because I have a new story. Thank you because this is the beginning of the best days of my life.